This is the Football Pink Podcast, and after two weeks, uh, we're back. We've been busy with shit, really, haven't we? Shit, I'm being sick. Yeah, yeah, there's been a few sicknesses going about um, here in the Par household, so... But we're back this week, and it was weird, you know, this time last... No, maybe not this time last year, but around about um, August, even though we're in September now, August last year, and we sat here and we talked about a Charity Shield defeat to Man City... Um, and that season turned out pretty okay. So, um, Simo, we'll go straight on to the Charity Shield. Uh, Bit of deja vu. It is. Um, it was one of those where we went into it, and you're happy when you win it. When you lose it, it's a bit like Celavi. But um, they say deja vu is the right way to put it. Yeah, I mean, Charity Shield, you know, I've got notes here. It is the Charity Shield. You don't really think much about it until you actually. Get in it, and that. This is going off topic here, but before we actually get into the game, um, do you think it, it like the League Cup? It was prestigious. No, not not prestigious as much as the League Cup because the League Cup is classified as a major trophy. But do you reckon it definitely has devalued in recent years? It never had massive value, uh, but it had it had a sense of occasion. See, I'm only, that's, that's a difference. It had a definite sense of occasion. That I don't think it necessarily has now. I'm only young, obviously, but I remember. Um, the 2006 FM Charity Shield we went to versus Chelsea and what, 2006 I would have been nine, yeah, nine-ish, there thereabouts, maybe just turned ten, no, definitely nine. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I was so, oh, I can remember being like, this is my first, big you know, game, quotation yeah. marks, final. And that's, to this day, the only trophy I've seen Liverpool lift. <laughs> well, it's, which is a good thing, I guess. Uh, but yeah, and but they're the kind of things because you, we could get hold of tickets for that. You couldn't get hold of tickets for the major final. And all but those it's more, kind but of at things. the same, it was more the just the occasion and um, you know me thinking it was a final. It might be an age thing for me being only young. Yeah, uh, but no, it was a great day out. But from a from an old perspective, there's still no pressure on. You know, you win, you win, you lose, you lose. That's was uh, it. Back then, obviously, saying I was young, was it so much like let's play some of the, you know, let's get as many lads on as we can type of thing. Because back then it did go to extra time. Yeah, but again, well. you still had the same issues that it was people coming back from close season. Uh, people had been away. You still had all those kind of things. So you never, ever had your full squad out in, in, in Charity Shields. And it, you got know, to remember, the, the concept was generating money for charity in the community. Mm. It's about the players turn up put the game on and the funds go back into good causes, which is what it's all about as a curtain raiser for the season. End of story. Because especially now we've been in the charity shield the past two years, um, a few you know highlights before the game, you know, a few highlights gets promote, um, put out on Facebook and so other social media like Twitter. Um, there was one from the um, 2001 League Cup, um, League Cup Community Shield where we played United. Obviously them being the league winners from the previous season, and us being um, FA Cup winners from the treble season in double oh oh one, and obviously I don't remember that game at all. I was you know four, but it's like some of the comments I seen going. This was such a big game. Yes, it was United. And I'm guessing if we would have played United in the Charity Shield, the night it would have been a lot bigger than it was. But. Um, I was reading some of the comments on there saying, you know, great day out, uh, back when the Charity Shield meant something, and this, that, and the other. No, I still, I still, look, when you kick, when the game kicks off, and the players that are on the park, they want to win. And there are needle games, and there are needle games, and like Liverpool playing Man United, there's never a friendly. End of story. But it's still just the Charity Shield that you you win. Uh, Yeah, you go back as far as Liverpool playing Leeds and Kevin Keegan and Billy Bremner both getting sent off in a charity shield game. So that far back, it was it meant something as a game of football and it meant something as an occasion. But the charity shield was still just a a charity trophy when all said and done. So it, it, there's something different in Do you think the, it, the trophy and the occasion. Was it Arsenal, the fact that it was Arsenal again kind of... Deflated it a little bit. Let's be honest. Of you would let's put in quotation marks the top four. You know, you know, us, Chelsea, United, and um, Arsenal. You know, the original top four. You would call it. they're probably our least rivals. Even though the top six, you know, you throw Spurs in with Arsenal. They're the least. 
rival yeah. in quotation marks. You know, if you get Chelsea, we've had history with them. Obviously, you've got City and United. Yeah, maybe. Again, it's still just the strength. The strangest tournaments at the end of the strangest season to a certain extent and having had such a short pre-season uh, and going back into it, you, I don't think anyone knew what to expect and in an empty stadium. I think that was, that was probably the big thing for me that the, the Charity Shield has, has been this, it's a community event and it makes money for the community, mm-hmm. you know, renaming the Community Shield. But not having any of the community watching the game live... It's probably the first game I've really felt uh, that something was missing properly from the crowd. I think we'll probably notice that this season. We'll get on to, obviously, a bit of the Leeds talk um, later on. I think you'll notice that, because obviously with last last season, we didn't really care about the crowd too much. It was like just getting over the line. Where this one, where you you have got 38 games to go, you may feel that. But that's a talk for later on. We'll actually get into the game itself. Um... It was it was a weird one because, like you said, it um, kind of especially our recent f- results against Arsenal have been good. You know, neglecting the um, was it two two nil loss at um, back end of last season um, at the Emirates. But if you classify our results against them, we've completely dominated them home and away. Yeah, uh, but you still take into account that Arsenal have been there. You know, a couple of weeks beforehand in the FA Cup final. Uh, and and got a result, and I think we were still uh, on the high of of winning the league and everything else. And I think they're, they're just in a process of getting the squad focused on next year. You know, as you say, the back end of last season was just a case of let's get this over the line. Now it's like let's sort out to how we take on this title and and, and put the next one away and go back to back. So I think the tactics changed in the game, first half and second well, half, and I think that is part of Klopp's experiments with what he's going to be doing for the rest of the season. I want to talk that in about in a minute, but we'll get into the goal to start off with. Definitely with Trent being out, um, it's basically the the form the team is what you'd exactly expect with maybe Henderson maybe coming in for Milner um, if he was fit. But with William starting over Trent through injury, um, you'd expect Bamiyang to float over to that left-hand side to maybe wing on Gomez and Williams, that rather staying away from Verge and Robbo. Um, and Ro- Williams, I mean, I'm not going to say you know he played bad because he didn't, but he, he did struggle against you know yeah. a, 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 like a Bamiyang who is top class. It's, yeah, it's like saying you know. You put a you put up any Premier League defender against Lionel Messi. Guess what? He's going to have a torrid time that day. You put, in the most, office. You put most fullbacks up against um, Aubameyang, and they're going to have a tough day. At Correct. The so we've got a young lad who's having uh, you know uh, a big day out. He's in in the starting lineup and everything else, and and he was given a real challenge. And I wouldn't I'd agree with you. I don't think he had a bad game. But, but so did had... did he have a real tough day at the office? Yeah, because. He's got a very, very good striker on him. Really, uh, you know, so he's got to measure himself. And I think he makes himself pretty good. To I be think honest. it's one of those where you say he struggled, but if um, a Batman cuts in and puts that around the post and it goes wide. Then you say job done. You say, yeah, exactly. You say, yeah, right, you can shoot from there all day. It's a great finish. Um, you give, but you give that t- type of player a yard of space and they'll put it in the bottom corner or top corner. Um, and you know Nico Williams will have learned from that it's part of learning exercise you can't give them that extra yard it being one of those where although we didn't actually don't think we had a shot on target in the first half we had so much possession Um, it was very similar to the game at the Emirates um, the back end of last season maybe a bit more attackive um, in that game away from home but we had so much possession um, so much on the ball um, we didn't really do anything with it. I think Salah was very um, quiet quiet in the first half. Um, but we'll go to the, the but he's formation. Gonna to, he's got to have the ball. Exactly. We'll go, we'll go to that formation thing now because um, we played our usual 4-3-3. They went three at the back. And um, unlike normal Arsenal size, they defended very well. Yeah. And, you know, effectively man mark the front three and the, against the back three, deprive them of space running in behind. And we don't didn't have... Uh, 
the, the deliveries coming in from Trent as well as Robbo. Yeah, it, well, their fullbacks also um, push stars back. Yeah, and ne- point back. out, you know, um, neglect our ones. You know, so Arteta's done his homework and and come up with a potential template because you say it's the second game and it's up. I'm sure Klopp and, the, and his backroom staff will be analysing that game in detail to say next time another team does that. We had this earlier in the season where we, it seemed that there was a template to take to to sustain and hold Liverpool back. Liverpool changed what they did slightly and, and moved up. And well, teams are going to let, let's be honest, teams are going to start sitting back from us now and giving us the time of the ball and, go, and basically going one breakers down. Um, that's exactly what they're going to do. Um, yeah, and again, going back through the season when we've come across this kind of thing, if we, you know, there's a tackle on the edge of the air and a free kick's given away, and Trent steps up and 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 curls one round a corner, uh, and uh, you know, or or something along those lines happens. So I think we've got to find other ways from dead ball. Totally get that as well. But I do think that there's enough in the locker to break teams down. I don't think this season's going to be the big runaway as last year, because uh, you know, no, I think we've got. A, I think we have got a challenge, and I think. But you know what? I'm really excited to see it. I can't, actually can't wait to actually see what teams do against us and how we counter attack it. Well, we saw a little bit of that in the second half. Um, we were a lot more direct in the second half. We were. Um I don't say that one would say the words a lot better because we weren't bad in the first half. We just didn't really do anything with the possession we had. We were more creative maybe in the second half. Again, we c- you look at us at times and we become predictable and we need yep. a bit of unpredictability that comes in. But that's what Kaita gives us. And if we can keep Kaita fit, there's things that you know, he'll, he'll run at players and it, he'll take, take an extra man on and do something that's unexpected that gives us an extra half a yard and a, and a ball bouncing free and a second ball. So I think it's that kind of stuff, and that's why, you know, if we can keep Kite to it, I think it's really, really important. Uh, but it goes back to... And it, well, it's although Mino gave us a really good correct. option for that, that false Absolutely, correct, and doing something different than our normal, uh, you know, striker role kind of thing. It's just a bit more direct. A bit more direct. And to be honest, I mean, I'm not going to say I'd rather give um, Minamino a goal than us win the trophy or the shield. But um, a thing that would do for his confidence is Correct. massive. Correct. Absolutely massive. And it doesn't matter how it went in, bouncing off his chest, he goes through. But he had to be there at the right place, the right time. All his movement was good to get there uh, and actually get the ball through. So a goal's a goal. We go into the penalty shootout and, you know, there's no extra time. So it goes straight to penalties and it is a complete 50-50. And it's a weird one because I was thinking about it the other day, actually. And um, you think of the charity field last season, um, we lost it on penalties and everyone's all up in roars. All of a sudden, if we win that penalty shootout last season or this season, it's about we've won the game. It's not about, they don't care about the performance because we've won the game, we've won the shield. Um, because we do lose a penalty shootout, um, which is, it is a look at the draw thing. And holding your bottle. Um, all this stuff's about is, you know, we're not ready for the season. Um, we're in behind. I even think back to the Super Cup game. Um, there was no, against Chelsea, there was no um, extra time. I think there was extra time. In the, anyway, went to penalties, that Super Cup. I think it did go to extra time, actually. Um, and we didn't play well, to be fair. Um, Chelsea, really, this was the Chelsea side that, you know, we'd now look at and go, they were quite decent. Um, but at the time we were like they were young. We probably should doors. be. We still should be beating these nice and early, to be honest. Um, and if we had lost that get penalty shootout, the media would have been like catastrophe, Liverpool, this, that, and the other. But because we won it, all the media is super champions of Europe. They can't stop winning trophies. You know, a penalty shootout, which is a, a look of the draw thing, whichever way you look at it, and a mentality thing, which sways the media one way or the other. Yeah. And not only the media fans. Yeah, and. Yeah, you know, going back to the particular incident where, uh, with regards Brewster, you know, whether Klopp brought him on, you know, and didn't give him a kick of the ball because he brought him on so late, blah, blah, blah. But as Klopp said afterwards, you know, he's never seen Brewster miss a penalty in training in a game or anything. Uh, and he's such a confident lad. He had all the confidence in the world that Brewster was going to go on and score a penalty and was giving him his, his opportunity to do it's- so. It's and completely normal for people to be put on literally seconds to go 
to take a penalty. Yeah. You don't need a touch of the ball to put it in the top bin. You don't. Yeah. And, you know, inches. It's not like he hasn't touched the ball for three yeah. weeks and, and now he's trying to take a penalty in a, um, a Manix Cup final. And it, it wasn't a bad penalty. It was just an inch too high. It, it wasn't great, was it? Yeah. It, it was hard. It was high. It was, it was going in the corner. If, if it had gone underneath the bar, the keeper wasn't saving it. I see in a comment actually, um, and it goes, um, you know, all this. This was what someone put on Facebook, basically saying all this talk on um, Bruce didn't missing the penalty and this, that, and the other. And he goes, I think really needs the words. Really, people should be talking about the fact that Mane and Verge didn't hold their step hand up. and step up. Um, that's yes. something I disagree with, um, because at the end of the day, it's about who who puts a hand up. At that minute in time, he was confident. Yeah. And if they're knackered, we don't know if they were cramping. We don't know how inju- if they were f- carrying a knock or anything like that. But when all said and done, they actually put Brewster on to take the penalty. Exactly. It was it was a call from the bench, that. And I can guarantee that there would have been penalty takers. Cause look, they know the charity shield's going to go to penalty. There's a high chance yeah. the charity shield going to penalties. Because no one wants to go push too hard because it is... A, um, you know, it's not a major game, not a major cup and final. And it's early on. No one wants an injury. So even at 1-1, no team's going to push for a winner. They'll just go, we'll just take it to penalties because yeah. there's no extra time. So they would they, 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 they have an idea who's did, taking penalties. There'd have been discussions beforehand, 100%. And I'll guarantee as well, on the touchline, in that 90th minute, Klopp's had a conversation with Bruce and says, are you up for a penalty if I put you on? You know, but if we do it, we've got to do it now kind of thing. And Bruce still have been, yeah, yeah. Bruce 100%. is big enough for me to bounce back. I think so. Um, I think so. It's whether he stays, and we'll move on to some transfer talk now, um, staying with Brewster. Um, Ooh, decisions. It's a tough one. Um, really, I mean, we say we need to make up our mind. It's not till October the transfer window closes. That's the beauty there's been, of it. There's been a lot of talk um, regarding the Sheffield United. Um, yeah, alone. For me, I understand the next move in his career is now to get a Premier League low move, but I just feel that if he goes out on loan now, even if it is for a Premier League club, it is for in lieu to him leaving and um, t- tallying up his um, transfer. Fee. Yeah, again, it's it's a double edged sword, isn't it? Look, he's proven he can do it in the Championship. Job done. Uh, he. He is, has to prove, can he do it in the Premier League? Will he get the game time at Liverpool to do that? We also Pro- don't know his point of view, though. He might be wanting to play week in, week out, Correct. which he's obviously not. So it might be him looking to... But he might not get to play week in, week out at a Premier League club that's not Liverpool. Because he goes out on loan, and depending on what happens in those teams and, and how, you know, how things go... He's not guaranteed. There's nothing in the loan contract that says you're going to play every week, mate. So he's far likely in the championship to play every week, but he's already been there, done it, and bought that T-shirt now. He's proven that he can do it. Personally, I'd like him to stay. And, you know, um, we we need another option instead of Origi up front. Uh, Minamino's obviously now going to start showing, but we have got one hell of a season ahead of us. And I'd I, rather give him. I think having him as a as a second op, a second strike option off the bench goes back to when we are looking for something different. When we're looking for somebody with the youthful arrogance of just I don't give a shit, I don't care about your reputation, I'm just going to get at you and I'm going to score goals. And he's probably the closest thing to a, a Robbie Fowler kind of number nine that we've had for a long, long time. Just a natural finisher. And they are like Goldust. You don't get them now. Uh, you know, Jamie Vardy's potentially somebody that's Danny like that. Ings. Yeah, Danny Ings, who, had he kept fit, might have been a star for Liverpool. You just don't know. So, and having somebody that young on our books, I think we've... Uh, and, and I do think Klopp's got a lot of time for him because he keeps bringing him back. Others others have been let go, you know, uh, just trying to check how old is he? Oh, where is he? Bruce Day, he's only t- t- 24. Bruce is not 24. 20. 20. 20. 20. He's number 24. He's 20. So, so yeah, uh, 
It's still a lot of time for him. It's still a lot of time for him. Move on to the big rumours coming out of the last um, week or so. Um, the big one at the minute is Genie. Um, looks like he could be on his way out. Um, now, Ronald Koeman, who was the Dutch manager, obviously he's taken over at Barca and looking to do a bit of a rebuild there. Trying not to go too close to the mess situation. Um, what are your thoughts with him looking to jump until, over to the until today? Catalonia? Until today, I didn't think. I just thought it was all smoke and mirrors. It has come out today noise. a bit more transfer yeah, actual fees have started. Yeah, um, normally, it was just Barcelona's interested. Now, some figures have started to tra- yeah, and some to more transpire. more reputed. Uh, journos have started saying that yeah, I've actually commented that Liverpool have been in talks with Barca and there have been some communication uh, again it all depends on what's happening elsewhere but I actually was pretty convinced that he was staying another year uh, we've had conversations on this podcast before you know Jeannie's the only one that's got not got a, a new a new contract Uh We've both discussed uh, what was said on the Anfield Wrap the other week that was absolutely made sense that, uh, you know, getting a price for Genie now or, you know, gives us a little bit of money, uh, but potentially leaves us a hole in the midfield because he played every every game last season, damn near. There was only Van Dijk that played more time. Uh, but if we if they give him a new contract, it's going to cost more than if they let him go on a free next year because his wages are, in, in real terms, so small so they can afford to keep him for another year, in my opinion. I also do think you know we'll try and mix this in with the Thiago talk once again because it's still floating around. There's still the... You know, you know, I think we said it on the last podcast that um, it's the international journals that are talking about it, the English journals are you know, saying... You know, they're not saying no, but then they're keeping their mouth shut about it. Um, but I do feel like... It could be, look, I think Liverpool do want Thiago, but they don't want to pay the $30 million fee when they can get him for free next season. So I feel like they've gone, in an ideal situation, they'll have Genie and they'll have um, Thiago. But I feel like if they think the only the only way, they can mainly only cough up, I don't know, $10 million for Thiago. If you can sell Genie for 20 there's your 30 um, I do think it now the only way that they could get Thiago is by through selling um, Wine Alden. Uh Potentially, yeah, and that what might have driven it uh, the the conversations uh, with Wijnaldum. Uh I do think the Thiago saga is trundling along in the background. I I think it's also interesting that, that James Pitts has made comments on both of these this week. It's the first journo that of any reputation that's had. nothing really specific, but the fact he's made any comment at all that yes, there is interest in Thiago, and yes, Liverpool have had conversations with Barcelona. That's as far as his comments have gone, I believe. Uh, so they are probably interlinked. But I, I put on a personal note, I think I'd love to still see us try and get Thiago in. And keep Genie for under twelve months because I do think there's going to be some bedding in time. Uh, but another, good, I don't think that will happen. Well, another good point that was made. Uh, I can't, don't know who, which uh, which interview I was listening to uh, or which podcast. We have a full roster of overseas players, so we cannot register another prem another squad player to play in the Premier League somebody has to miss out uh, although that does include Gruwich uh, Loris Carius Gruwich Carius uh, so and, now, and obviously they're unknowns I mean, at this moment in time Carius doesn't even have a squad number I haven't even looked, thought about because he obviously was number one wasn't he yeah before we gave it to Alisson I'm just thinking about it actually um, yeah there's it, been no talks about anyone coming in for him no so what if no one comes in for him keep him on the books but don't register him as, an, as a Premier League player Poor bastard. I know. But, and that's where... Yeah, again, I'm saying poor bastard. That bastard cost us bloody thousands of fucking dollars to get to Ukraine. So, and, him actually. And he's, he's getting paid a shitload of money for not getting registered for playing. Know, so, yeah. you know, so let's not be too sorry for him. But yeah, I thought that was an interesting point that as regards the number of overseas players. So, we will definitely... It, but, you, but at the end of that, you, so you say everyone stays, you'd expect, okay, well, Genie will go... 
Tiago come in, but likes of Carius, if anyone is to miss out, Carius. Gruwich is definitely going to go, probably back to Hertha Berlin. Um, um, and there's obviously still here on here, Shaq and Origi to possibly go, but let's face it, they'll stay. I, again, they, they, they need him around as, as extra legs. I just think, again, I do think Shakiri's got an awful lot to offer if he can stay fit. And I think this is part of what they look for when they go looking for players. Uh, when they've got the right mould for the player that they want, an attitude and everything else, no one knows, once a player comes in, can they cope with the training regime that Liverpool have. I mean, everyone talks about the high-intensity training sessions. And that's when you hear people picking up knocks and injuries and everything else in training, and they go missing for ages. And we we always think, how the hell's that happened? But you forget that they train with the intensity in which they play 90 minutes on match day. You know, the trial games that we had, and the the quality of the second trial game wasn't so good, but he'd had them out doing a really intense training session beforehand. Some actually, someone might um, made a good point. Actually, you know, we don't know this, but some people say, um, you know, like you said, we look bad in that preseason friendly because you know, but we ate probably that the day before we had a really fucking tough session. And where they wouldn't do that in the league, correct? But so people not just the actually, day before the n- day of the game as well. They did double sessions. So maybe not the day of the game for this one, but maybe the day before um, Charity Shield because it's a glorified friendly. They might have potentially them, you never, never know. Anyway, that's gone back. But I did actually see that thinking so, about it. And I do think that all of that we have to take into account. And then you get players who are without question really good players, but their bodies just cannot hold up to the intensity. Uh, of, of what Klopp's looking for and, and they have to move on when, when the time comes moving on um, to our you know, final transfer target 22 um, year old Senegalese um, international um, Ismail Salah 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 um, reportedly now not I wouldn't say heavily linked but again before then it was just rumours now it's actual figures of transpire uh, £40 million, um, what they're asking for, but I reckon Liverpool are looking to dumb that down considering they did just get relegated. Yeah. Uh, Didn't realise he's only 22. Well, okay. I just turned 23 and he's 22, he's, scoring he's, a brace against Liverpool in February. And he, and he looks a lot older. I know, he's only 22. Fair. Again. So, but being 22, he might, you know, and especially being, he's good mates with... Uh, Mane being from the same country, um, you can talk to him and say, "Come, sit on the bench, play every now and then, and just watch Mane. Watch what he does. Learn off Mane. But he's obviously got to be happy for that. And but to, he, he, are we willing to pay forty million for that? And that's where I'm coming from. Uh, is this just a bit of a, a bit of a trade off play? I mean, I mean, if, if you think of paying struggling to, not struggling to pay, but thirty don't million, want to play 30, yeah. thirty million for Thiago. Um, a Champions League winner um, multiple times, I think. Multiple major trophies in different countries, both Spain and Germany. Um, and we'll be paying 10 more for a 22-year-old winger. That's, yet again, is inconsistencies this season have been pointed out by the lads on the wrap. But, but at 22 years of age, what do you expect? You know? That, that, that's also going on with 40 million for a 22-year-old. Correct. And... But the money ball effect of a 22-year-old, it's, you know, 40 million's a lot of money, don't get me wrong. But at 22 years of age, that he could increase in value significantly as an investment, and it's a long-term project because he's only 22 years of age. Thiago is older, but he costs less, and he's a more finished product, and probably more of what we need right now in the squad uh, going back to how do we break teams down when they when we need something different and he falls into that mold. I do feel like Saar could be something similar to Origi where he's a lot more direct and a bit more like a winger. Um, he'll actually turn and run at plays where you know Mane and Salah will look to get in behind and kind of cut inside, where Saar will look to get in and behind um, from wide positions. Um, but again, you don't know. But These are all rumours. But like, exactly. But then again, we've got we've got Divock. We've got we, you know we've got Minamino. 
You know, they're not more naturally those. wide players though. Sarah, I think, is more of a naturally <laughs> wide player. The Ox. But again, it's still in the air that Ox's best position is in the middle and he's not very good at wide. It, it's all, as you say, it's all up there, isn't it? So, uh, but I still think we have those potential options. And give me a choice of the two right now, then I know what I take. Oh, don't forget, we got to Smeekers as well. Left back. Okay, but uh, all right, I'll take that. Or wing back as we yeah, really that's really where I'm coming days. from. Yeah, as regards a wing back position he, with the overlaps and everything else. All righty. So um, we we'll move on to a little bit of talking about Kaita and Minamino. Um, obviously, obviously, Kaita's been here a bit. Like last season was his first full season with the team after coming in January the year before. Um, but obviously, injuries have maybe stunted it a bit. Minamino has had um, this this stage we're at. Minamino was the stage we're at with Kaita last season, where you know we, he's had his half season. We're looking, he's had you know in a quotation mark full preseason with um, the squad now, a bit more embedded. Um, he looks happy in the squad. But both Kaita and Minamino, um, this is huge years yeah. for both of them. Agreed. Maybe Pro- more more Kaita than Minamino. More Kaita. Minamino could probably, well, like I said, we've said this, I just said uh, Minamino's a year behind Kaita. So Minamino could have a year, an average year, and still get one more chance. But I reckon if Kaita, not don't want to use the word doesn't perform, but doesn't maybe live up to expectations, has a season like he just had, he probably might be on the, out the door the year after. I think he'll definitely be out the door if he if he doesn't turn into the player he who we thought we were buying, and crucially stays fit. He needs to be because when he's on form, he's absolutely exactly what we. And want. that's why we still get excited about him. We haven't written him off as a fan base yet because we've seen these little snippets during games and on the odd occasion full games where he's unplayable. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he's so direct and so good on the Look ball. at that Chelsea 5-3 right towards the end of last season. Yeah, uh, and I just, to be honest, I love watching him play because he looks so happy when he's playing as well and he, he's he's like this little ball of muscle that just is really just... Want, he's got a bit of needle about him as well. Yeah. You know? and, and, you know, he's not frightened to, to put a foot in when he needs to. And I just think, yeah, I, I really, really hope that this is a year because we need it as well. Because again, our, our midfield is starting to age a little bit, and we need, we can't always rely on having Henderson and Milner in in and around there, and we need somebody else carrying the torch. And hopefully, he's the man. And then with Minamino again, we're still unsure what Klopp's idea for him is, yeah. and I think Klopp's still a bit unsure if he more sees him as. Um, a um, 10 yeah. type of role in the middle does he see him as a false 9 or is he does he see him as one of those fake wingers that we have in Saleh Manor that are wingers but they're more, they're more like, shall we call them inside wingers if we're going with more footy terms the worry is that he falls into the uh, Origi kind of never really gets defined or um, his role is. Chamberlain as well yeah so he's he's got to find his way and, and, def- and, and prove to cl- to Klopp, he can be one of those things, very, very good, and an alternative in the other positions when needed. All right, then. So we will move on to. We'll do a bit more next year. Um, next year, next week, regarding a full preview to um, Leeds. Um, however, Simo, we haven't really talked about um, any fixture lists. Um, regarding that so we might just talk a little bit on Leeds and a, maybe a little bit on our first month of the season um, but Leeds at home um, day one of the season um, I was apart from, bad it's brilliant and apart from it being not in front of a crowd which is a real shame because I'd love to see the Leeds supporters uh, in, in the away end uh, absolutely bouncing. I think it'll be uh, a really, really good uh, travelling support. Uh, but the flip side of that, I was really looking forward to a good kickoff time here locally in Adelaide because the Leeds supporters group are also going to use the Arca Bar as their supporters' uh, home. And 
that would have been a really, really good night. But having moved it now to a two o'clock in the morning kickoff, I don't think it'd be quite as bouncing as it would have been. For me, when I first saw it, um, I was a bit sceptical because if you remember us last season, um, we played on a Friday night in the UK um, to start the season. Um, and they always like the big games individually on their own. Normally, the three o'clock games in England aren't on TV. I'm pretty sure they're doing anything where all games are on TV. In they England are this year. The three o'clock. It's been it's been moved. So um, taken off. So when I saw the, fi- the saw that there was um, the early game was already put as Fulham versus Arsenal. I don't know why that is going to be the season opener at Craven Cottage. Um, however, so. I, it didn't surprise me when they moved us to the late kickoff because they won every. They were not won us at the same time as City, Villa, West Ham, Newcastle. They won everyone to be watching Liverpool, um, Liverpool Leeds. Um, so that's why they moved us to the late kickoff to then obviously yeah. allow better te- TV coverage. Yeah. It's TV that's done it. Um, it doesn't surprise me. I just on a personal note, I think the atmosphere in the Arkabar would have been really really good for us to watch it unfortunately so it'll still be a good night but uh gonna try and actually get hold of the lead supporters come on the podcast before the game with a bit of luck see how we go with that so um after round one we have um kind of like how we had um last season with um chelsea um, going to the super cup after the first round um against chelsea we got chelsea away round one um round two sorry round two um, on the Monday night, um, which is a really tough place to go yeah, for a second game. I think that's a real... You know. well, I was talking to a lad at uni today and um, I was saying how it actually isn't a bad thing that we're playing them that early. Chelsea have got a lot of new lads in. Um, they're going to take time to gel um, and you don't want to be playing them, I reckon, yeah. back end of the season Just after at home. When they're starting to get... A, you know, the, the lads are starting to gel... Um, so you think when we play them back end of the season, at least it's at our place, and you know, never know, we could have fans back in by then. But last thing you want to do is um, play that Chelsea side when they're on a run because they've got some good players now. Yeah, uh, but they will be. But the bridge is always a tough yeah, place to go. It, it, they will be absolutely up for it. The new players coming in, all with something to prove. Uh, still a very young squad, but and, with some older heads added. And we're going to be starting this from the beginning as well. We play on the Monday night, City play on the Tuesday, away to Wolves. Yeah. So we're both going to be looking at each other straight from round two going... Over each other. Who's, dropping, show, who's dropping points every here? Every time. But I think the one thing I can guarantee is that nobody's going undefeated for such a long period this year. I, I was going to talk about it after our, after going through the first month, but... Um, Basically said, you know, what we've got 98 and 99 points, or 97 and 99 points across two seasons. City got 100, then they got um, 90, um, yeah, 100, then they got whatever they got, or 98 last season, or sorry, the season they won it from us. Um, they got a decent 80, high 86 total last season, which is still a very good points tally. Um, what do you think it's going to take to win the title this year? I do think it'll be in the 90s. Do you? It'll be early 90s. Um, I, so just, I don't think it'll be that high. It'll be early 90s. I think it'll be very similar to last season. There's a couple of, I keep saying last season, a couple of seasons ago where both teams are pushing each other that much that they can't. Like you said, City wouldn't have got 98 points if we weren't pushing them that whole way that year. No, I agree. So I feel like both teams are going to be pushing but themselves. But I think because in real terms, there's in the past two seasons, there's only been two teams who have been at it and dominating. And and go unbeaten, and, yeah, virtually unbeaten. I actually think the, the the strengthening of the other teams now makes the top six a lot closer, and that means the top two. Drop, yeah, Arsenal drop looking points. better, um, yeah. Chelsea looking better. United are always going to so, be a bit more dangerous. I reckon eighty points wins the title this year. I think it's that big a drop off. Well, I mean, just to finish out our first three fixtures: Leeds, Chelsea, and um, finishing off with. Arsenal at home. Um, I actually like how we're playing Arsenal, especially at home early. Um, kind of just dust off cobwebs from, could we go to the Emirates in that game and lose again? They they start to become a bogey team. Correct. And I'm, I'm happy with that being there. I think after the Charity Shield, that's just a case. Especially getting beat there last season yeah, towards the end. That's just a case of uh, we bring them to Anfield and we tear them apart. Like we normally do. 
yeah, uh, and then that just puts that to bed, and we and we move on. It wouldn't surprise me if we don't take, you know, all nine points from those first three games. Uh, I'd take two and a draw. Yeah, no. If you offered it me to now, maybe I would have. Yeah, because uh, I, like. I do think this season is going to be tighter. Uh, you know, so you know whether I'll, I'll be happy with a, two wins at home and a draw away the bridge. So like I said before, we will come with a full preview to Liverpool-Leeds um, next week, next Wednesday. Because um, at the minute we are in the middle of a international break, um, which is absolutely balmy to me that they're actually allowing um, the Nations League to go ahead. It's I understand mad. that um, they do help with um, European qualifiers, um, even though the European Championships... <laughs> This is, you know, this is quite it's a made-up tournament to help with a, to, to another route to qualification. This but it's just another route. Nations League now is helping to qualify for the championships, um, European championships in that are X amount of years away, away. Even though we mean. haven't even had the current European it's championships, a, it's, it's just. I, to be honest, I wasn't fully aware until you know. Middle of last week, that that there was that they'd gone ahead with the international. I knew, I knew break. there was an international break, but like yeah, like we said before, before starting, I had no idea who England were playing. No. Um, we're not going to go down into it. Um, we're no, we're not. England are playing Iceland and Denmark. I yeah, uh, uh, but we're gonna uh, again. I was listening to another podcast earlier today, and somebody said, "I know that England are playing, but we have no idea who." And I thought, neither have I. Uh, and I had to go and look it up. So obviously, um, being where we are, we're going to talk more about what players. Are playing um, from Liverpool. Um, so, you think your lads at? I'm surprised Trent's gone with him not playing the Charity Shield. Shows uh, shows how close he is to being fit. And Klopp's probably sent him off there to get match fit. Um, <laughs> he'll come. He'll, if he runs half a match out on both games and comes back fit, he goes in. He can play the full ninety for Liverpool rather than coming off the bench. So, from an England point of view, it's Trent and Gomez. Um, it'd be interesting to see how much get, go, time Gomez gets. Um, he should really be getting. He should really be starting. Um, yeah, he's the best. He's the best centre half in England for me. English centre half in for England. Me, exactly for me. It should be. Oh no, we're not going to get into the Maguire situation. But with Maguire not being there, but even if he was there, it should be a Maguire um, Gomez partnership for England at the minute. Um, so we'll see how much time game time they get. Hopefully Trent doesn't get too much after coming back from injury. Um, moving on to uh, Young Williams got a Welsh call up, which is nice for the lad. Brilliant. Um, there's no way he'll play. Um, I think he might get a bit. You might get. Remember the, these games minutes. mean. Again, these games mean something now, and Wales aren't exactly the best side in the world. They need the results. So, um, but it's just nice to get the call up. He was training with the likes of Bale and stuff like that. So. Good on the lad. Um, Robbo's away with Scotland. Captain's duties. He'll be playing both games, probably ninety minutes each. Yeah, he'll and he'll he'll just do what he does and comes home. Exactly, he'll go. He'll do what not every Scottish player goes. Goes, gets beat, comes home, um, and smiles while he's doing it. Tismikus is away um, with Greece. Um, I don't know. I'm guessing. I'm actually. I was actually looking before and looking at all the other teams. That all the other Greek teams lads play for, and there's lads. Obviously, most of them are in Greece, but some of them are, you know, all over Europe. Very yeah. poor country, poor teams. To be honest with you, um, the only teams I recognised in that thing was Toulouse from France, um, and a couple of the um, Olympiakos and AK Athens and all that type of shit. So you're expecting them to play there. So I expect Smikis <laughs> to play. Um, Genie Van Dijk obviously will play for the Dutch side. Yeah, pretty self-explanatory. But the big thing really is that um, no African football, no Asian football, and no South American football either. So they'll have a, a nice light training sessions, and uh, um, not necessarily. I've heard rumours that we are meant to be playing Blackpool in a, in a friendly, in closed door friendly behind doors. Okay. Say behind doors, everything's fucking behind doors. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, when we say behind doors, we mean at, no cameras. at Melwood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, behind the curtain at Melwood. Um, be by all accounts, to see. Um, see if we can do any better against Blackpool than um, a so-called <clears> top <throat> team did. <clears throat> um, second best team in Liverpool supposedly did, um, being 3-0 down after 10 minutes. But moving on swiftly, um, 
But yeah, but in all seriousness, it's nice having, you know, a chunk of the squad. You think of our span of our squad, we have got a lot of, um, you know, obviously Milner's not going to go with his age. Um, Oxley Chamberlain, oh, he's injured anyway. But then you've got the likes of Allison. Um, the, the, the Brazilian lads aren't going to go. Minamino's not going to go. Kaita's not going to go. Mane. Yeah. It should um, be, to be honest, if that team can't beat half of uh, half the Premier League exactly. anyway. Um, so that's nice to see on an international front. Um, and I think, do we want to talk about the Messi situation? Do we want to go on it? Uh, what time are we on? We've got, we've got 15 minutes. Go ahead, we can go on the Messi situation. Um, I know it's your bread and butter, so I'll hand the chair over to Simo for this one. Don't <laughs> spend too much. I'll try not to bore you too much, but a couple of interesting things. Uh, reading around and listening to a few different uh, people in the know, uh, particularly Duncan Castle and Ian McGarry from the Transfer Podcast. So Messi has uh, terminated his contract. Uh, he's no longer, in his eyes, a Barcelona player. It's it's done and dusted. Is that is that a that actually fact? From Messi's perspective, yes. And that's why he has not turned up for COVID testing and not turned up for pre-season training. This is him not, you know, tools down and, and, and being a suck. This is that fax that they've talked about. This was a, a what they call a bureau fax or a TX that is a, a, a legal document that can be entered into evidence in court, which effectively said, I am... Uh, Exercised in a clause in my contract, and I am unilaterally terminating my contract as of today. I am no longer a Barcelona player, and that is the the huge thing because nobody really seen it coming. This was added to his contract at, at some point because he's been very unhappy, and he was given the capability to to unilaterally cancel his contract at the end of every season if he so wished, and nobody at Barcelona thought that he would do. Uh, obviously the issue has come that it's within 10 days of the league finishing that he's able to do that. The league was extended for the Champions League final. Barcelona is saying that he missed the deadline. He's saying it was within 10 days of the, the Champions League final, which was the final game of the season. As such, it is correct. Lawyers will work it all out, I guess. Uh, but this big rumour of uh, of him coming to City... That's the main thing, isn't it? That's, that's a big worry. Th- yeah. Uh, it's a worry to, to have him in the playing for City, but it's a good thing to have him in the league. Yep. I, I want to know, personally, is Messi good enough? I mean, he's, a, he's the world's best player. I want to see him play in the Premier League. But can he do it? week in, week out, in a really, really tough league like the Premier League? And that is an unanswered question. I want to see him in the League Cup third round away to Swindon Town. Correct. Where a lad that's been working on cars all day has rocked up after a cold 6am start at a mechanic, working on cars all day, oil over his hands, and has absolutely snapped both Messi's legs inside the first 10 minutes. Correct. Just show him who's boss in the first team where the coach is going. Show him who's there. He thinks Robbo giving his head a pump. Exactly. Kind of when he sat down's bad. So I agree totally, and I think this is what we want to see. And in a way, I actually want him to come come and do it and come through it and show that he's the best player in the world. I mean, let's not even go into how that fits into um, the financial FIFA fair play if Messi somehow fucking goes. Let's not even go into that. Well, there's a way. There's a way, they reckon. But uh except for that's um, a whole nother I will podcast leave it for another I'll leave it itself. for another podcast, but in real terms it's to do with uh him then not... paying fucking FIFA off. Yeah. Yep. It's he plays for City Group, not for Manchester City, and that's where the contract lies, and there's ways of doing it inside there. I say the big worry is that he does go, and you know, having anyone, someone like Messi on your side is, you know, scary. It is, but thinking also thinking in terms of, you know, you talked about when Ronaldo, you know, Ronaldo went over, you know, to Real Madrid, and they reckon his shirt sales help pay for massively for his uh, his his transfer fee very very quickly. Can you imagine how many messy shirts would be sold and that's all revenue 
that counts towards FFP and everything else. So the I can imagine that there's going to be an awful lot of shirts sold uh, in Manchester if he comes very, very quickly. I mean, although Messi get, would get a massive share of those rights because he has pers- part of his contract negotiations is that he has personal rights to his image rights. And from what I understand, that's the sticking point at the moment. And that's that thing regarding um, him coming over is, you know, wages-wise, if you're Sergio Aguero, you're like, you know, I know he's the world's best player, but I've been helping this side out for so long and he's coming and he's on this side that much. If you're Fernandinho, he's coming and he's on how much? Okay, I want to pay a rise. And there's that kind of, I mean, Wage you turn around and say, well, he's really not fucking messy. You know what I mean? But it's just... I don't know. I it, still doesn't. I hope it doesn't happen. It's politically a, a massive time bomb, uh, and if he does come, he's only coming for a couple of seasons, no more. Because he's only he's you know he's thirty two, thirty three now, um, so he's only got a couple more seasons left in him. Well, the whole the whole concept, and you get no resale value out of him as well. Well, well, there is no resale value, and it's part of doing it as the uh, the City Group deal. He signs for five years. He does two years in Manchester and three years over in America. And there is no resale at that point because it's the same contract. He just has his registration transferred to a different team inside the group. I understand Pep's got the same deal. Pep is actually contracted to City Group, not to Manchester City, and can be tra- and can transfer. So these are the way they're getting around it. And that's why... Uh, you know, the solicitors and the businessmen inside Citigroup are getting paid shitloads of money to find ways through all of this. Uh, the other thing, though, is that it's going to leave Bartomeu in massive amounts of trouble in Barcelona. He's he's really got problems. I understand that Barcelona is was seriously struggling to balance the books before COVID and losing all of the, the gate money and everything else has, has really hurt them hard. The, the elections are up this year. Apparently, as if the board leaves, they have to stump up any outstanding cash of losses, which means they will be personal. Bartomeu will be personally liable for all of the debt that's left at the club, so he'll be desperate to get some money in for uh, for Messi leaving. So it's going it's going to be interesting. Apparently, Messi's dad is on a flight to Barcelona uh, this week to have conversations. Let's hope that it's um, not a flight to Manchester anytime soon. That's very true. That's very true. All right, then. Well, we could, you know, you probably talk about this messy situation all day, but we'll leave it there. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll be back next week regarding um, our preview to round one of the season. Yeah. Already. And let's see if we can get a, a lead supporter on to have a chat with us. Easy. We'll see you next week. Up the Reds.